Obama? If you were king, you wouldn't be afraid of anything? Not nobody. Not know-how. Not even a rhinoceros? Imposterous. How about a hippopotamus? Why, I'd thrash him from top to bottom. Supposing you met an elephant? I'd wrap him up in cellophane. What if it were a brontosaurus? I'd show him who was king of the forest. How? How? Courage. What makes a king out of a slave? Courage. What makes the flag on the mast away? Courage. What makes the elephant charge his tusk in the misty mist or the dusky dusk? What makes the muskrat guard his musk? Courage. What makes the sphinx the seventh wonder? Courage. What makes the dawn come up like thunder? What makes the Hottentot so hot? What puts the ape in apricot? What have they got that I ain't got? Courage. You can say that again. And welcome to the main event. Yes, courage. Something that our current president, Barack Obama, has zero of. And uh, I think I think that's one of the things that uh, we're a little tired of. And the and why we have our new president-elect Trump because I think we all feel pretty good about he's not going to have any problem with being courageous to make changes and uh, make this America make America great again. And uh, quite frankly, as a part of the mortgage business, and uh, looking forward to the uh, looking forward to the um, the repeal of Dodd Frank, or at least parts of it, uh, or at least the attempt. I'm pretty I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited about the uh, outlook of America and everything that's going on. So, uh, but we're gonna talk about all that stuff today. I'm gonna try and give give you guys that aren't really clear on everything that I think is gonna happen. Or that how everything's going to happen, or some of you that are not really excited that we elected Trump. <clears throat> I'm going to give you some. I'm going to give you some hope. But first, let me introduce myself. My name's Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your lo- local direct mortgage lender, located right here in the Inland Empire, with o- offices all over Southern California and Arizona to take care of your financial needs. If you're in, if you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, you can call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Day or night, one last time, toll free area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me and you don't want to talk on the phone, you can find me at wccloans.com. We have all kinds of mortgage information for you and you'll find my contact information there. And uh, if there's any part of the show you want repeated, or the whole thing, you can go to edhoffman.net, click on uh, play the main event, listen to the main event, or you can uh, get me on podcast on uh, right there at edhoffman.net or SoundCloud, or get me on iTunes, go to iTunes, search uh, Ed Hoffman the main event, and uh, you can subscribe for free, have it download on your uh, on your phone or your computer, your iPad, your iPod. And uh, listen to it anytime, day or night that you want, so you don't have to wait for it to play on the radio. Be sure to connect with the show on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, where I uh, tweet about current events all week long. And like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash the main event, Ed Hoffman. So now if uh, if you can't get in touch with me, 
you haven't tried. So uh, let's talk about what happened, what's gone on in the past week, because it's been a whole week since I've been with you. Uh, Trump transition election day was over a week ago. Everyone's already talking about who Trump will appoint to his cabinet. First announcement came Sunday. The Republican National Committee chairman, Reince Priebus, will be his chief of staff. I was kind of hoping for Newt Gingrich, because, uh, you know, the chief of staff is uh, one of those guys that just advises him about everything. I think Obama's had uh, Rahm Emanuel and uh, the guy with the big mustache, uh, whatever his name is. Um, I'll, I'll think of it as soon as I get off the air. And uh, and so you need someone who's who's smart that can that has uh, Trump's respect, that can steer him. Reince Priebus will be his chief of staff, and and also uh, Breitbart News publisher Steve Barron will be his chief strategist. So he kind of split the job up with a couple of different uh, personalities there. As for the cabinet, here are some of the people who visited Trump Tower this week and are rumored to be on his cabinet shortlist. For Attorney General, the contenders are said to be former New York City uh, Mayor, uh, Mayor Rudy Giuliani, who I think Rudy Giuliani actually said he doesn't really want to be um, the attorney general. He was the U.S. attorney, which is like the next step down below uh, attorney general um, back in the day before he was a uh, New York mayor. Uh, Senator Jeff Sessions, or surprised everyone, Senator Ted Cruz was there a few days ago. And uh, and I've also heard, I've also heard rumors that Trey Gowdy, um, although I was hearing rumors of that before he was actually even, a, even the president-elect, um, I also have heard suggestions by some people that uh, Ted Cruz would make a great Supreme Court nominee. So uh, uh, that might get him out of the way so he doesn't run for president because I'm still going to have problems eight years from now uh, because of his uh, natural-born citizenship. So, uh, But anyway, for Secretary of State, former United States Ambassador to the U.N., John Bolton, that's the guy with the big mustache and the big hair. You know, big hair like John Kerry, except for with uh, the glasses and the mustache. Kind of looks like Wilford Brimley. Um, good guy, Senator Bob Corker, former House Speaker Newt Gingrich, South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, and as of Thursday afternoon, he's even considering Mitt Romney, who uh, I was a big fan of Mitt Romney back in uh, 2012, but uh, since he turned on, uh, turned on Trump, you know, he didn't have to support Trump when he was in the primaries, but by the time he'd knocked everybody out except for uh, Kasich and, and Cruz, he didn't have to come openly attack him. Um, apparently, Trump has a more forgiving heart than I do, which should make you guys feel feel uh, good for the, those of you that don't trust. You, you listen to the things that he said and the things that they repeat out of context and say, oh, this guy's a racist, this guy's this, this guy's this. You know what? I listen to everything he says. I look at the context, where he says it. He said one time, one time he goes, I'm a lot different when I'm talking to 10 people in a boardroom than when I'm on stage talking to 10,000 people. And, uh, and you know, you have time to think. So, uh, um, so anyway, those are the secretary of state, Homeland security, Homeland security, Maricopa County, uh, Arizona sheriff, Joe Arpaio, Joe Arpaio is, uh, the said to be the toughest sheriff in the country. Um, I thought he ran for re-election of sheriff in for Maricopa County. I'm not sure if he got re-elected or not, but I'm hearing he retired. I don't know if that was on purpose or not. But uh, Joe Arpaio is a certainly a, uh, I don't know, how can I say it? He's a bad dude. Not really what I wanted to say, but it's what I could say on the radio. Milwaukee, Wisconsin Sheriff 
David Clark. He's the uh, the black gentleman who uh, comes on uh, on uh, Fox News all the time in his uniform, or if he's out of his uniform, he's got a big giant cowboy hat. Uh, he's certainly uh, certainly a bad dude as well. Uh, once again, Rudy Giuliani and Jeff Sessions. Uh, I think Rudy Giuliani would make a great Homeland Security uh, chief and uh, Secretary of Homeland Security. And if you watch how he handled New York after the 9-11 attacks, for those of you that are old enough to, rem- to uh, remember that stuff, I don't know how many uh, millennials I have that listen to the show, but uh, you know if they're listening on podcasts, it's probably millennials. Uh, so Giuliani and Sessions are said to be able to choose any set, any position they want because of their loyalty during the campaign. Um, so they can have anything for national security advisor at the moment of, of my recording, it has been, uh, the, the number one name that's been bounced around and now apparently has been announced that he's been chosen for national security advisor, uh, general Mike Flynn, who, if you remember, uh, gave a great speech at the Republican national convention and, uh, he's a, a super guy, uh, strong military background and a huge supporter of, uh, of Donald Trump and also a huge, uh, a huge enemy of ISIS. And you know what? As long as we're going to be advising national security, let's really pay attention to what's really going on in the world and let's make our nation secure and let's uh, do it with uh, with our eyes open and let's not try to sugarcoat it. And quite frankly, let's not announce everything on TV. Like Trump says, and you know, I wasn't the, he, Trump wasn't the first one to say this because I said it many times. Why do they announce it on TV before they attack? Hmm. Hey, we're going in at 2.15 Iraq time, 2.15 a.m. Iraq time. We're going to start dropping bombs and we're going to send in the SEALs at 2.45 that are going in. And then Rambo, Rambo's coming in at 2.57. We're going to send him in and he's going to go through a foxhole and he's going to pop up inside the the Iraqi palace. And did anybody think that was stupid? But, you know, the American people need to hear this stuff. Nah, they need to listen to the main event and then just go on with their day, get a job, and go to work. Pay your bills, obey the law, respect authority, and teach your kids. That's what you need to know. And for you Democrats, start with a job and paying your bills. So uh, for Secretary of Health and Human Services, former Louisiana Governor Bobby Jindal, Bobby Jindal, because he was secretary of the Louisiana Department of Health and Hospitals. Florida Governor Rick Scott, who is the chief executive of a large hospital chain. One person has already turned the job down, Dr. Ben Carson. Dr. Ben Carson said, uh, uh, according to his business manager, Armstrong Williams, everything was open to Dr. Carson, but he doesn't want to be a part of the administration. He feels he has no government experience. He's never run a federal agency, and the last thing he'd want to do is take a position that would cripple the presidency. Uh, Then why did he run for president? Hmm. I'm not sure where the consistency is there. But, you know, in my opinion, I think he just wants to keep his lifestyle. You know, uh, Ben Carson uh, lived a a very glorious career as a neurosurgeon, Johns Hopkins Hopkins, uh, Hospital, Johns Hopkins... University Medical Center. I know Johns Hopkins. He was the head of uh, pediatric neurosurgery, so operating on little little kids' brains. <clears throat> and uh, apparently, he's has uh, he's written some books called "Talented Hands" or "Talented Fingers" or something along those lines. I read uh, one. I read the book he came out with uh, a year or two ago. I can't think of the name of it right offhand, but he's a. I love him. I've met him. He was my he was my number three top picks. 
when the primary started. My top was Rick Perry, governor of Texas. My second was uh, was Scott Walker of Wisconsin, and third was Ben Carson, and fourth was uh, Carly Fiorina. And uh, Trump was fifth, and only because I nobody really believed he was serious. And I have to say, why would a guy that's worth $10 billion that's done what he's done, why would you want to have that job? I can understand why he wants to straighten the country out, and I understand his calling, he feels. But this country is brutal. This country is brutally, brutally just vicious on, on people that try to do something with their lives. You know what? A misery loves co- company, and you could see all the people that feel they're living in misery or uh, just not the, the lifestyle they want. Just sure to pull everybody that tries to climb out of the, out of the pot. Uh, they try to pull them back in with them. <clears throat> so I think uh, Ben Carson just wants to keep his lifestyle, and so he has the ability to jump in and help out whenever he wants, and then he can jump back out and go have his private life. The media has been putting pressure on Trump to make fast cabinet appointments, covering his transition nonstop, even though it's only been two weeks, not even two weeks, since the election. Guess how long the other presidents of recent history took to start their cabinet appointments? Uh, Barack Hussein Obama took three weeks. He's extra fast because he didn't really care. He just chose all his friends and his uh, fellow Muslims. Um, just chose all his friends and his uh, his sister, uh, his his wife's uh, brothers, and uh, just people that people that uh, you know. He just that needed jobs that he knew. Uh, uh, George W. Bush, Bill Clinton, Ronald Reagan, and uh, Richard Nixon all took six weeks. So Newt Gingrich here's uh, telling the media. Here's the Newt Gingrich telling the media to back off. If you were the president-elect, you'd want to go very slowly at first, because once you've made a decision, you're going to have to live with that. They'll begin to put things in place in a very orderly way, but it's going to take two or three weeks. I mean, you just, you can't, you'd be really dumb to, to accelerate and start making mistakes in order to make the press happy. This will be President Trump's administration. He will make all the major decisions. That's how he's run his empire when in the private sector, and he's not, and it works for him. Yeah, and you know it's funny they're they're uh, they're criticizing him. They they don't want to give him time to prepare. Remember when Hillary Clinton said this at the second debate? I, I think I think that I think Donald just criticized me for preparing for this debate, and yes, I did. And you know what else I prepared for? I prepared to be president, and I think that's a good thing. Well, I think that was wasted time now, wasn't it, Hillary? So, uh, but you know, Trump has been criticized for some for saying some dumb stuff. When he didn't have time to think about it, you know, the, you get him on the, at the debate when he didn't have the questions ahead of time. So he had to hear him. He didn't have time to prepare and think about it. You're up on stage because some people say, hey, this uh, Donna Brazil thing where they gave her the questions before the debate and they didn't give it to Bernie Sanders or they didn't give it to Donald Trump. There's a distinct there's a distinct uh, advantage to having that because you have time to think about, well, how should I answer that? What's the best way? Do I want to just answer it and pivot into what I want to talk about, kind of just answer it, say, you know, say a couple of words and then pivot into something off the side. You know, when they ask me about, about my emails from WikiLeaks, do I answer them or do I say, well, you know what, while we're talking about those, you know, the Russian people, uh, uh, stole those things. I just really think it's bad that Russian people are trying to influence, you know, how they just sidestepped it, you know, and then Trump gets up there and he, and he gets caught on, a variety of things where he's, you know, any, he, and he shoots from his hip, he talks from his heart 
and uh, maybe didn't have time for his brain to process because you're under pressure. And uh, he says some dumb stuff. Not really, not really who, uh, how you'd run a presidency because in the presidency, you have time to think. And of course, if you remember when the, uh, when the film of uh, George W. Bush, when Andy Card leaned over to him, he's in front of all the school kids uh, reading a book and they told him that the planes hit the towers on September 11, 2001. And they go, look at him with that dumb look on his face. He was thinking, hey, I'm in front of all these six, seven-year-olds. Don't want to cause panic. How do I want to handle this? And he was pondering, hey, what should the president do? Jump up and get mad? Start screaming? Keep calm? There's a whole bunch of stuff going on, and there's a whole bunch of people in this country that are counting on me to keep calm and to keep them calm. And, uh, you know, I give him I give him credit for that. I give him credit for, for uh, considering, and I think that's what Trump's doing. So I say, hey, Trump, take all the time you want. You got more than 60 days till you have to be president. Take time and prepare. I also want to talk about how Trump plans to better our country by changing our energy policies. For energy secretary, he's reported considering Harold Hamm, an Oklahoma oil tycoon, leading proponent of fracking, Congressman Kevin Kramer from the oil drilling state of North Dakota. And no matter who uh, Trump picks, I know he's going to transform the way we're getting our energy. I also know he's going to help our foreign energy trade maintain sta- uh, main stability. And here's another thing that, and you know what? Before I go in, go into another thing that he he is probably considering, think about think about what's going on. We buy our oil from from the Middle East and from Venezuela, so Iraq and all these other countries over there they drill for oil. We have plenty of oil. Why don't we drill in our own country? Well, because we want to we want to preserve our reserves because at some point the world's going to run out. So by the time that by the time that Iraq and Venezuela and all these other countries run out of oil. We'll still have ours, and then we're going to be in a great position. Problem is, is that we're trying to develop other forms of energy that are cleaner burning. And by the time, by the time that we even exhaust anybody's anybody's oil, we will have long stopped using them. And you say, well, hey, Obama said let's let's not put money into drilling. Remember uh, uh, Sarah Palin and John McCain, drill baby, drill. Well, we're not going to solve it in in a couple of in six months, yeah. But if we start eight years ago, we'd be eight years closer to being energy independent. So the other thing, and the thing to consider, well, instead of putting money towards drilling on federal lands, we're going to put money towards alternative energies like Solyndra, where he he wasted half a billion dollars on a company that was run by Michelle Obama's brother. So and people go. Well, you know what? Obama lost a billion dollars, so he didn't pay taxes. Yeah, he lost a billion dollars of his own money. <laughs> How dumb are you to lose a billion dollars of your own money? Well, hey, look at Obama. He lost a half a billion dollars uh, of our money. What's smarter? So think about this. Think about this. The oil drilling state, oil drilling uh, state of North Dakota, the oil drilling state of Texas, and I think uh, Ohio and a couple other states where uh, you have a ton of companies that are drilling oil on private lands because the federal the federal uh, uh, government's not letting them do uh, the the leases on federal lands and these guys are making money but since we get most of our oil from overseas the they uh, we're dropping the pr- the price of oil is dropping down and at $50 a barrel apparently they're not making a profit and it's sl- it's slowing down slowing down for the oil companies making money 
Why is that? It's because the taxes are so high in this country and the regulations are so high in this country. Below $50 a barrel, they can't do it. So in comes Donald Trump. Donald Trump lowers the corporate tax to 15% from 35. Saves them 20% in taxes. Then he reduces regulations. Then he opens up federal lands to, to drilling. That creates a whole bunch of jobs. Number one, with all, with all the re, uh, reductions in regulations and the reductions in taxes, now the oil companies can drill and, and make a profit at maybe, and I'm using I'm just using round numbers, maybe $40 a barrel, maybe $35 a barrel, and everybody's working. Now that creates drilling jobs, driving jobs, trucking jobs, building refinery jobs, uh, building pipeline jobs, uh, all kinds of jobs, and people are working again creating tons and tons of jobs, and we stop buying oil from the Middle East. Hey, guess what? We're done with you guys. Take your oil and stick it in Russia. Oh, wait, Russia has oil. Uh, put it wherever you want. We don't need it. Now we're, now we're doing all this stuff. Guess what? Price of gas drops to a buck a gallon. How's that going to change your life? And maybe it's not a dollar. Maybe it's a buck 25 per gallon. How's that change your life? Oh, wait. Now there's a whole bunch of people working, and now it doesn't cost $40 to fill up their tank. It costs $33. And you know what? That's not going to change my life. But for those of you that are the middle middle America that are making less, less money and are living paycheck to paycheck, that makes a big deal in their life. Okay, then what happens when the truckers are spending less money to put gas in their car, gas in their trucks to bring products to the market? Now the cost of bringing products to the market is less expensive. That's more profit for the companies. They create more jobs. And it maybe they drop the price of those products. How does that make things better for everybody? Cause and effect, guys. Think about think about all this stuff that goes on. That goes on. How will this change America? It's gonna change America huge. Now, here's I got uh, three minutes left of the part of the first part. I'm gonna now think about this. <clears throat> Before the fall of Tripoli. And his ultimate demise, the Libyan dictator Muammar Gaddafi was trying to introduce the single African currency linked to gold, the African gold dinar, a move which would have thrown the world economy into chaos. What he wanted to do is take the, is uh, have them all operate with gold like we used to do before Nixon uh, took us off the gold standard, and we would have to have gold to back up our money, which means we can't print dollars. And take the take the world off the off the dollar as the standard currency, which means our credit is done. Which means we can't print print money. So right now, if we're buying goods from overseas, if we're out of money, we just print some more. If we have to convert it to dinars, hey, you know what? We got to have gold to back it up. That's going to throw the whole world economy into a into a into a tailspin of some sorts, or into a go down the toilet. I will tell you what has happened in other countries. Uh, their their interest rates go through the roof. So right now we're enjoying uh, interest rates, I don't know, 3.75, four, low fours, high threes for mortgage rates. Imagine it jumps up to about 12. Imagine what happens to the banks. Imagine what happens to our standard living. Imagine what happens. You know what? Obama did such a great thing. He kept us from going over a cliff. Yeah, he borrowed $10 trillion to do it. And guess where it went? Nowhere. We just spent it. We gave it to people for not working. Trump will keep us from going over the cliff. He understands. 
He understands how the world works. Yeah, but he doesn't have any he doesn't have any experience in 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 doing anything in government. He doesn't understand any any international international uh relation stuff. Bull. He understands business. He understands business. He understands how money works. And guess what? This country runs on money. This is capitalism, folks. We're not socialism. We tried that all the way back to the pilgrims. Oh yeah, well that's next week. Remember the pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock and they starved? They starved forever because they were trying to all work together and share their results. And guess what? When you don't get anything extra for no extra work, you don't do any extra work and you get lazy. I'll let somebody, if I don't do it, someone else will do it. I'm going to call in sick today. I'm tired. Guess what? When they divided everything up after they'd been starving for years and then they said, okay, Johnson's get this acre, Monroe's get this acre, Jefferson's get this acre, and they all had to work to eat. Guess what? It was prosperous and then they had Thanksgiving. Hey, anyway, I'm all out of out of time part one of the main event. Stay tuned for five minutes of uh, commercials and weather and traffic, and I'll be right back and we'll continue. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. I don't talk about a lot about uh, real estate and financing, but I'll tell you if you need some, nobody's better than Wholesale Capital. Call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855 855- 640-2020. One last time, 855-640-2020. Buy and refinance and reverse mortgage, any of that, any of those beautiful products, call me, I'll hook you up. I'll uh, dial you in. So we've been talking about what's been going on and the prospects for a Trump presidency. What we, what I expect is going to be real, what's going to really happen. And uh, quite frankly, if, uh, if you remember the clip I played last week from the... Uh, from the Iron Lady on uh, the show last week. And, and that's what we're going to do to the British economy. Barring a barring a uh, absence of nerve, something like that. You know what? Courage, man. You need someone who's got the, got the guts to push execute on these uh, plans and that understands that, hey, it's probably not going to be great. We're going to start seeing things get better. But it's probably gonna get. It's probably gonna be painful for a little while, and people are gonna be whining about the changes. Oh my God, Trump is doing this. What's gonna happen? <clears throat> it's gonna be fine, folks. It's gonna be fine. Everything's gonna be good. Everything is gonna be very good. So uh, Trump and the media had a contentious relationship throughout his campaign, and it seems to be continuing now that he's president-elect. CNN was the first to have a meltdown Tuesday night. When Trump went out to dinner with his family at the 21 club, the 21 club restaurant without telling his press pool, I'm sure he, I'm sure he brought his his uh his uh secret service guys, but he left the he left the reporters behind here CNN whining about it. Sir Murray joins us now from Trump Tower, where as I understand it, the president elect just left without telling pretty much anyone anything. Is that right? Trump apparently had other plans. He decided to go out to dinner without alerting some of his key staffers as well as the press. It appears to be yet another misunderstanding of exactly how much gravity his new title as president-elect holds. You know, if God forbid something were to happen to him, that is a matter not only of public record, but also a matter of national security. Yeah, I never thought of the press as being helping national security. Hmm. I wonder if they're gonna they're gonna jump in if a terrorist tries to get him. Eh, probably not. They're gonna just put it on YouTube. They want to be they want to be first. <clears throat> they want to be first in line with the with the with the uh, bad news. Excuse me. 
But it didn't stop with CNN. In an open letter to Trump, a group of journalism associations that included the National Press Club and the Society of Professional Journalists said, this isn't about access for the press itself. It's about access for Americans in diverse communities across the country. Your constituents receive information from a variety of platforms to learn about what our president is doing. Oh, my God. But is this the re- is this really what they're concerned about? If you listen to some journalists, it's like, this has more to do with the Trump assassination watch. You know, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that no one was concerned about Obama getting assassinated but they sure are they sure are worried about Trump. You already heard heard the CNN reporter say that Anderson to Anderson Cooper that and uh, here's here's political reporter telling Megan Kelly the same thing. What we're trying to do is just to keep an eye on where the president is and what he's doing. We are the independent eyes that are not part of the campaign, not part of the government. Should God forbid anything happen to President-elect Trump, it is imp- so important to have independent media there who can verify what happened. Oh my God, God forbid, should anything happen? Like somebody shooting him from the uh, book depository or maybe someone running up to him with a, with a suicide vest or maybe, uh, or maybe, or maybe, or maybe, maybe we could get a, uh, a, uh, one of those Sarnayev brothers to put a bomb on the, uh, little, uh, pressure cooker bomb. You know what? God forbid if something should happen. Oh my goodness. But there's a bottom line here, which is that this is the only only an issue because president-elect is Donald Trump. Here's Howard Kurtz, host of Media Buzz on Fox News. President-elect Barack Obama ditched his press pool in Hawaii eight years ago, and it wasn't treated as a national melodrama. And here's what I want to know. Where was Obama on the evening of September 11th, 2012, for 13 hours, while our guys were calling for help and nobody sent it? Because I, I, I saw the movie 13 Hours, and I remember it saying, this is a true story. It didn't say it was based on a true story. And I saw the interview of the uh, of uh, three of the guys uh, that were there, uh, Oz and Teague, and uh, what was the other guy's name that was on there? Uh, but three of the, three of the six guys that, that uh, were there, the three of the four guys that survived, um, not the not the uh, Silva, not Jack Silva, but the other three guys that wrote the Thirteen Hours book, and they said they said when uh, when the movie was made, the director Michael Bay said we we gotta we gotta get this right. Oh, hey, Tonto, Tonto, uh, Peranto, uh, that was uh, that was there, and they and they walked through with Brett Bear, and they walked through with Sean Hannity, they walked through with almost every every show on Fox and explained the whole story, what was going on and did interviews and, and went over the story about 150 times. And they said, Michael Bay said, we have to get this right. It's gotta be right on the film as it, as it really happened. And, uh, and it was, and if you look at it from the time that the attack started, it was about eight minutes in when it says, uh, POTUS being, being briefed. So they show a picture of the white house, a POTUS being briefed. And it's about eight minutes into it. Twelve hours and fifty-two minutes later, nobody sent any help, and we know Hillary Clinton was there because she said so. And I think there was uh, pictures of her uh, in the uh, Situation Room. But regardless, where was Barack Obama at that time? The guy that's supposed to be leading our military, not supposed to be in the hands of the of the uh, Secretary of State. <clears throat> but I digress. The, the moral of the story is it's always okay. It's always okay no matter what happens as long as it's Barack Hussein Obama. If it's Trump, ah, we can't do that. 
that's no good. So uh, that's that's where we go there. So then uh, let's talk about uh, the the rallies this week. Anti-Trump rallies continue on a nightly basis in major cities around the country. In Portland, five straight nights of rioting led to a million dollars in property damage, 112 people arrested. But guess what? Portland news station KGW found out that 79 of the people who were arrested didn't even vote in the election. Here's the breakdown of the 112 people arrested so far. The red is the people who did not vote, 35%. Orange is the people who at least aren't registered in Oregon, 31%. The blue are the four teenagers arrested who were too young to vote. And the green is the protesters who did vote, 30%. When people don't vote, it's a sign of a broken system, I feel like. And I can sympathize with the overall sense of defeatism with the the failures of a two-party system. They say they didn't vote because they didn't like either of the candidates or feel so out of touch from our system, they don't want to participate. So they didn't like either one of the candidates, but they knew there was two candidates, or they felt so out of touch with our system that they didn't want to vote. They're so out of touch, meaning they don't watch the news, they don't watch, they're not engaged, they don't know what the hell's going on. They're they're ill-informed, misinformed. They're dumb kids that go to college and they watch the Dodgers and they watch the Lakers and they watch the Rams and they watch uh, the Kardashians and they uh, they they watch uh, for those uh, Pokemon guys and they do all kinds of stupid stuff that people do when they're not paying attention to something that actually makes a difference in this world, but. When they didn't participate in the in the uh, in the decision, they didn't engage in anything. They're out there protesting. Hmm. What are they protesting? They weren't smart enough to know what the right thing to do for this country was, but they were smart enough to go out there. and And I saw a YouTube video of a a bunch of really intelligent people in San Diego. I hope they're hearing this. A lot, bunch of intelligent people in San Diego that walked out on, I believe it was the Eight Freeway. Uh, which I think is La Jolla um, or somewhere over there near La Jolla. And they walked onto the, uh, and if you watch the YouTube video, they're walking onto the on-ramp on the freeway in the dark. And the only thing they have lighting things up is the little, little light on their cell phones. And then they walk out into traffic and some girl gets hit. And oh my God, the cars didn't stop. They didn't see us. Oh my God. You gotta have brain damage. Gotta have brain damage. You know how do you how do you uh, young people expect that this country is gonna still be here if some of you guys don't turn on your brain and pay attention? Hopefully, there's some. And in Chicago this week, thousands of protesters blocked an ambulance from getting through, resulting in the death of a young father. And a nurse from the hospital posted on her Facebook page, "I have to unFacebook for a few days." I had a patient die during the transfer last night because our ambulance was stopped by protesters and had to drive an extra 45 minutes around the block, the block roads. I can't today. They can give their effing safety pins to my patient's fatherless four-year-old daughter. Hello? Do you think there's any consequences? You guys are all complaining about, you guys are all complaining about who got their feelings hurt because Trump, Trump's a racist because he said that, you know what, that, the people that break the law to come into this country are not the the best and brightest that Mexico can send. He didn't say all all Hispanics are are rapists and and murderers. He said a lot of the people coming over illegally are rapists and murderers. 
He didn't say ban Muslims. He said, let's stop immigration from Muslim countries until we can figure out how to vet these people. He, you know, a lot of these people, hey, you guys that are protesting, you're probably not listening to this show, so I won't go on too long. But uh, you know what? Maybe you should pay attention and uh, make decisions based on what you see, not what you hear. But, you know, there's no media outrage over this. Instead, the media wants to focus on a handful of people, probably 1% of his supporters, who made racist remarks on social media after the election. Listen to Leslie Stahl. Leslie Stahl. Force a reaction of him on this uh, interview on 60 Minutes last weekend. Interviewed him on Friday afternoon. Mr. Trump said he had not heard about some of the acts of violence that are popping up in his name or against his supporters. Nor, he said, had he heard about reports of racial slurs and personal threats against African Americans, Latinos, and gays by some of his supporters. I'm very surprised to hear that. I would. I, I hate to hear that. I mean, I hate. But you to hear do it. hear it. I don't hear it. I, you do, you're I, I not saw, seeing. I saw it? one or on, two instances. On, on social media. I think media? it's a very small amount. Again, I think it's. Do the you want to say anything to those I, people? I would say, don't do it. That's terrible. Because I'm going to bring this country together. They're harassing Latinos, Muslims. I am so saddened to hear that, and I say, stop it. If it, if it helps, I I will say this, and I'll say it right to the camera. Stop it. Hey, you know what? You don't hear this stuff? Hey, guess what? He's the president-elect now. He's got 68 days from the time he found out he was going to be president to get ready to be president. You know, he had to go meet with Obama so Obama could tell him to staff up and how to how to run and give him some advice on how to do it. You know, I saw saw that picture of him and Obama sitting there and shake hands. And, and, I, and I even saw a, uh, what do they call it, a meme where somebody said, hey, Whatever, just get the hell out. And you know what? That's kind of the look. That's kind of the look like, hey, Obama, you know, you're a failure as a president and you never ran a popsicle stand, uh, lemonade stand, or anything. Uh, why don't you just not give me advice? I'll take it from here. <clears throat> he got elected because of uh, people knowing about our failed president. And where was our sitting president with all these, with all these uh, protests? Uh, you know, because Trump's not president yet. It's not really his responsibility to stop it. It's Barack Hussein Obama. He's the sitting president. Meanwhile, but he was ab- absent. He was absent. But on the college campuses across the country are devoting extra resources to counseling students who are grief-stricken over Trump's win. So President, uh, so con- I'm sorry. So Congressman, Republican Congressman Bobby Kaufman proposed a bill this week to target universities that use taxpayer dollars for additional grief counseling or cry rooms. You know what? Yale University, even, which is private, said, if you're too upset to take your finals, you can postpone them. Stay home and cry. Wah! You know, all us Republicans cried four years ago. Then we uh, cried ourselves to sleep and got up in the morning and went to work because life goes on. We have to uh, pay our bills and uh, we have responsibility to other people in our companies, in our families, and in society to show up and do our jobs. So uh, so he's using it for, for grief counseling, cry rooms, and other services to help students cope with election-related sadness. He also wants to increase criminal penalties for, for protesters who block highways, as some demonstrators did near his hometown of Iowa City. It's called Suck It Up, Buttercup Bill. He explains the reasoning behind the bill. 
That's a waste of taxpayer dollar, and that also doesn't prepare kids for life, because in life, there's winners and losers. And in life, when your car breaks down, your kids get sick, or you have to take a second job up to pay your mortgage, you don't get to go to a cry zone. You don't get to pet a pony. You have to, you have to, you have to deal with it. Yep, you know, we got to deal with what life serves us. You know, my wife and I, my wife Dawn asked me, hey, you know what, why aren't we retired yet? And I say, you know what, this thing happened in 2008 called the mortgage meltdown, and uh, we didn't mess up our credit. We didn't lose any houses. Um, we didn't, we didn't, uh, go broke. We didn't file bankruptcy, but it still affected us. And because of that, I have to still keep working. Hey, I'm dealing with it. You know what? Life happens. You got to deal with it. There's uh it's how thing that's how things are. And, uh, you know, you can't control what happens to you. You can only can, you can only control how you react to how things react to you. We just like Joey Jones said, we can't control when we go to war because we don't pick that our enemies do. You know what? Think about this. There's a lot of things out there that you know that we don't that we don't we can't change. We can't change what happens to us. We can only change how we react to it. Kind of that serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I know that's an Alcoholics Anonymous thing, but it sure is a smart, smart thing we should teach our kids. So uh, wake up, everybody. Teach your kids. Speaking of protests, uh, there's also protests happening in response to Trump's plan to take federal funds away from sanctuary cities. And you know what? I talked to uh, our uh, our uh, CPA that does our that audits our company every year, and uh, he moved up to uh, Northern California in the Bay Area. And uh, his uh, his gal pal is apparently liberal, and she's a Democrat. And over the last few years since they've been together, he's uh, kind of getting them to getting her to move over uh, to uh, you know common sense. I mean uh, conservatism. And uh, and he's a staunch Republican. And uh, she he says she normally watches Rachel Maddow on MSNBC, PMSNBC, and. Uh, <clears throat> She flipped it over to Fox the other night, and he, she hears him talking about sanctuary cities, and she goes, what are these sanctuary cities? This is the first I've ever heard of them. So you know what? They don't have to hide it. You know, Democrats are just uninformed. They don't, they're, they're just not plugged in. The, uh, the mainstream media is just not giving them the information. So uh, just in case, for those of you that don't know what sanctuary cities are, I'll define it. Sanctuary cities are places where illegals are not are not subject to deportation. They include cities like Los Angeles, Chicago, San Francisco, New York, Portland, Miami, Denver, Santa Fe, and ironically, uh, Washington, D.C. Officials from those cities are adding fuel to the fire this week by speaking out against Trump's plans. Here's, uh, here's former White House Chief of Staff and current Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel and Newt Gingrich's response to his... To, uh, his uh, his words. You're safe in Chicago. You are secure in Chicago, and you are supported in Chicago. Trump ally Newt Gingrich was infuriated by Emmanuel's comments. President-elect Trump is talking about a very focused effort to get rid of people who are criminals. Now, you would think that the mayor of Chicago, in the middle of the worst murder uh, pattern in the city's history, would be thrilled to have somebody help him get rid of criminals. Yeah, you would think so. When I heard Rahm Emanuel's, uh, I heard Rahm Emanuel's uh, statement there, I tweeted out, "Let's deport Rahm Emanuel." 
he doesn't look like he's from here, and he apparently doesn't respect the, the, the rule of law in America. Here's L.A. police chief Charlie Beck, you know, L.A., Los Angeles, right here, who seems to think that all illegal immigrants in his city are law-abiding. We have to be seen as a, as a protector and not a deporter. L.A. Police Chief Charlie Beck says President-elect Trump's plan to deport millions of illegal immigrants is misguided and impractical for a city like Los Angeles, home to some half a million illegal immigrants. Chief Beck says he needs the help of those illegals and their trust to fight crime. I need them to work with their local police stations. I need them to be witnesses to violent crime. I need them to be part of the fabric of Los Angeles if we're going to keep this city safe. Let's turn it. They need to need them to turn each other in. You know what? Hey, the laws are laws. Well, they're not breaking any laws. Well, they're here illegally. What's the difference? Those aren't laws. Amazing. This country is a country of laws. It's just idiocy. Idiocy, my friends. <clears throat> it's uh, you don't have to be intelligent to live in California. You just need to like the weather and pay higher prices. So uh, you know, I thought about I thought about I got to get out of California, but you know what? The weather is so good here. No matter where I go, I still like the weather. But <clears throat> I don't like the idiocy. And speaking of idiocy in California, our state had some absurd propositions on the ballot this year, and unfortunately, several of them passed. Um, a couple of them I'll talk about. And, you know, I want to start a proposition. I don't know what it takes to get a pro uh, proposition on the ballot, how much money and how many signatures. But I think we should, I don't know if I can get enough signatures for this. I think we should have a proposition that says you're not allowed to vote on the propositions unless you get educated. And we can create uh, classes or town halls where we actually have pros and cons of the, so people have to think about it. People have to have an open discussion about whether this is a good thing or bad thing. You know, one of them, Prop 57, was sold to voters as a way to ease prison overcrowding by releasing so-called nonviolent felons from parole. But guess what? Several of these offenses are very violent, and we're going to let these people out of jail on January 1st. Okay? Let's start with attack with a deadly weapon with de with, uh, with and force. So attack with a deadly weapon and force, that's a nonviolent offense now and a bunch of those people are going to be let out of jail battery with serious bodily injury now that's uh beating the crap out of somebody that's a non-violent that's a non-violent uh offense now domestic violence that's beating the crap out of one of your uh your spouse your your uh wife or your husband whichever the case date rape involving drugs so it's actually having sex with a uh, unconscious person uh, using drugs. So basically using date rape and having sex with them. That's a nonviolent. We're letting those people out. Let's be happy to have their arson of forest land, uh, causing physical uh, physical damage. Physical damage. Uh, you know what? Remember that big fire in 2003 killed a bunch of firemen. Uh, the guy was found guilty in 2012. Five counts of first degree murder. I know you can do that now. It's nonviolent and they won't keep you in jail. Using an explosive device, that's a bomb, uh, and that will include with intent to cause injury. Anybody remember the Sarnayev brothers and the Boston Marathon bomb about three years ago? I don't know. That's not a violent crime anymore. You know what? You dumbasses out there voted for it. You didn't read it, but you voted for it anyway, and that's where our, our state is. Assault with a deadly deadly. You could take a, a gun and shoot a cop, and it's not a violent it's not a violent crime. Sorry, cops. 
sorry cops here you have to risk your life to do this stuff and uh, now it's not even a violent and you guys voted for it Proposition 64, we I voted no to uh, legalize marijuana. I'm pretty much sure that I was pretty sure it was going to pass anyone. And here's everyone's favorite new law, Proposition 60, 67, the ban on single-use plastic bags. For whatever reason, 50, 52% of Americans thought that they want to pay 10%, 10 cents for each bag every time they go to the shopping. And you know what? For me, I don't really care. You know what? But I know that when I go shopping with my wife or when she comes home with a bunch of plastic bags, I can pick up like six or eight bags in each hand. So it's easier for me to carry groceries in for my wife. But you know what? And that, that's why I don't, that's, I don't like it. But you know what? Here's a story. One of my guys was, uh, wife was shopping in Corona and she's watching someone in front and says, Oh, 10 cents a bag. Okay. Put in three bags. Then the lady pulls out her EBT card. And guess what? If you buy with an EBT card, you don't have to pay for the bags. That's one thing. But then the lady goes, okay, well, in that case, unbag it and put it in six bags. So she made the, the people at the grocery store take the stuff out of the bags and put it in six because she didn't have to pay for it. You know what? Something's wrong with this state, folks. We voted for that. Some of you didn't read it. And something's wrong here. If you don't like it, if you don't like what's going on in this state, we have to pull our pull our heads out from uh, areas where the sun don't shine and we need to inform our kids and we need to talk about this stuff and we need to start paying attention to what's important. Folks, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. Keep listening. There's a lot more to talk about and only five more weeks of my ninth year on the air. My name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event and I'll be back again with you next week. The content in this program is not intended to be legal advice. The views expressed are those of Ed Hoffman and his invited guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 01147747 and California Finance Lenders License Number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions. MB Number 096199.